Hi, everyone, and welcome to the ADSR Inspirations Podcast. My name is James Mallion. I'm your host as I introduce you to inspirational and artful souls from all over the world. I'm deeply interested in music, film, the arts, achieving goals, overcoming struggles, and big ideas. So join me as we uncover some life lessons and knowledge. We're based out of Tokyo, Japan, and we'll be speaking with people from all over the world, ranging from artists, musicians, creatives, leaders, big thinkers, and those who strive to do and be great. Thanks for listening along. Now let's get inspired. Hi, everyone. It's your host, James, here back again with another little slice of artistic inspiration for you. Today's episode is a fun one. I get to talk to fellow Canadian who's been in Japan just about as long as I have. Alan Dembski is a producer, beat maker. He's got a lot of big things coming up this spring and leading into the summer with loads of live shows all across Asia and a brand new album in the works. So the timing of this episode, I think, is really good, really poignant, as I've heard a lot about Dembski for a little bit now, but hadn't had the chance to talk to him. So we get into how he's always made music a big part of his life and how he's transitioned from playing and touring in a jam band in Canada to beat making and playing solo over here in Japan. So let's jump to my conversation with Alan Dembski. Hey, thanks for having me. Cool. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I know you've got a lot of things going on these days, so thanks for making the time. Of course, of course. Always always trying to do something, you know? Right on, man. Um, so I've been listening and enjoying, should I say, your music the past few days, and it brings me back to some of my earlier years, you know, listening to Ninja Tunes records, artists mm-hmm. like, let's say, Cold Cut, Bonobo, Lemon Jelly, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember mm-hmm. back in high school and university, really discovering, digging in, getting into some of this down-tempo stuff. I'm curious about your introduction into music, I guess, in general, and then into some of that down-tempo stuff. Uh, what, what were you listening to growing up? And then what kind of changed and made you want to get involved yourself and start producing and beat making? Um, it was kind of, uh, I guess with, it all started with probably hip hop and grunge music, right? So I was really big into, uh, again, uh, stuff like uh, Warren G, Belle Biv DeVoe. I was very, very, very big into that early 90s kind of hip hop sound. And then when I got to um, kind of high school and then university, I played actually mostly in the jam band circuit and listened to a lot of that. So like, uh, you know, listening to tracks that are 30 minutes long and then just seeing how they, you know, like how they delve into it and how they like, expand melodies. Uh, originally, I'm a bass player. So mm-hmm. uh, again, that's how I started out. And it wasn't until maybe probably 2000 the 2000s 2005 where i got into like listening to down tempo or 
that kind of music. And that was solely through the jam scene, right? Because again, I kind of went from this like Americana sound and then it slowly dipped into like kind of more acid jazzy funk kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you find you find all these like acid jazz artists collaborating with all these um, pretty high-end uh, DJs. And I guess that was my introduction into that world and stuff like that. Um, and that's it. Yeah. Like uh, I got kind of late into the scene, I would say. Right. right. I was, sure. yeah. Yeah. I was mostly into, uh, I guess again, yeah. Almond brothers band, but also yep. like common, you know, sure. I loved common back in the day. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. I can, can relate to that. So you kind of grew up in Toronto, Toronto area, and then yeah. You went to university in Ottawa, was it? Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And and then, so you were always kind of playing in bands at this time, or uh, when when were you really like involved with making and uh, were you releasing music, just playing live shows? What was it kind of like at that time? Yeah, yeah. I was playing with a, a band, my first band called Vanderpark, and that was pretty much nine years of my life, and that was. <clears throat> just me and my best friends and we all went to university uh some in toronto some in montreal some in ottawa Mm -hmm. and literally just played that circuit over and over again and created these parties like we would rent buses and drive people from ottawa straight to montreal for the night and then just bring all these drunkards back to ottawa (laughs) after like you know a night of debauchery and that was pretty much it like i i did I um, went through university very slowly. I was like a mm-hmm. part-timer for the yep. most part because we just wanted to keep this touring going. And that expanded, um, got very, for- I was very fortunate and played across Canada, which is, as you can probably imagine, is a very daunting task compared to Japan, you know, it's such sure. a massive country. And uh, Northeast of the States played like Boston, New York, and it was awesome taught me it taught me the most about music for sure right right so sorry what was the name of the band again uh vanderpark vanderpark right on okay so i guess around this time um did you guys were you releasing albums uh what kind of uh material were you playing um at the time yeah we had uh two albums and again because we were playing in this jam circuit we we built up pretty much i would say close to three hours worth of material mm-hmm. three four hours worth of material right so like we would do like two sets a night uh and um yeah like or and we would always try to improvise or change it up you know as much as we possibly could so um that was some of the best learning about how to listen in music when you're playing with other people. And I still try to do that till this day. Like when I, even though I'm playing electronic music, I still try to jam it out where I can make it these sections where I don't know what's going to happen or I can switch up my sets as much as possible. So I can kind of uh, feed that urge to be a jam band in in a sense. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, what was the, what was the size of that band? How many members were, were you guys rocking? It was a, yeah, six piece. Oh, okay. Nice. And then you, you were always playing the bass or were you switching it up a little bit? Yeah. Always the bass. Yeah. So 
uh, bass, a little vocals, and uh, yeah, yeah, that 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 started it all probably. But it you know it just comes from you playing with your friends. That's really it. Just like yeah. anything else. For sure, for sure. So I'm curious, like what what were the kind of aspirations with this band? You said you're you know touring Canada. You were releasing albums. Uh, what ended up happening? Um, were you did you guys kind of have aspirations to kind of make it professionally or were you just kind of doing it on the side? What was the, what, what were the goals of uh, the band and everyone? That, that was, um, I, I guess it's a good question. I think it's mostly, I don't know if there was like a fully set goal, you know, we're just like trying to figure things out, but we always had the mindset and I still do today of, as long as it always progresses and always has, we're always having fun with it. And then at a certain point, I guess we didn't progress. It got kind of stagnant, kind of stayed there. And um, when you think about the music side, I'm sorry, the business side of music too much, Mm -hmm. it kind of gets in the way of, uh, of the actual music and you lose that progression in some ways. Right. So that's what happened. And it went stagnant a bit. And uh, decided, uh, you know what? I'm going to start from scratch. And that's how I ended up moving to Japan. I'm like, Japan seems like a nice place. Like, I'm not, you know, like a nerd about or otaku about Japan. But I'm like, it's got a pretty deep music scene, it seems. Mm-hmm. Let's see what I can do here. And then I just like dropped everything and then went, you know, came on over. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know, I know the feeling myself. So, um, just in terms of like a general sort of time frame, so you were kind of, the band kind of was finishing up and then what, what years are we talking about here? Like, and then what kind of, did you have a few places in mind or was it like always Japan? Like, did you, were you interested in Japanese bands and like how much did you know about Japanese music? What was the kind of transition like? Um, I knew nothing about Japanese music. Absolutely. Yeah. I, the, the only artist I really knew or the two artists I knew were Toa Te and DJ Crush. Mm-hmm. And that's just because they played Toronto quite a bit and they always right. sold out Toronto. But um yeah, like uh, the the initial plan, and I think you can relate probably is like maybe I'll stay for a couple years, you know. Sure. It's like the story you hear. It's like stay a couple years and then, you know, head back home or go somewhere else. So I was going to do two years Japan. I was going to do a. I wanted to do a year in Hong Kong because I feel like Toronto has this Hong Kong connection. You know, having like the six Chinatowns that exist within the city, you know? So I was always curious about there, maybe a year in Korea. Mm -hmm. But then I realized over time that um, I like progressing and building things. And then I ended up, you know, my first two years, like doing quite well musically. And so I just stuck around and that's it. Like I just always kept progressing. And as long as I'm doing that, I'm, I can't really leave. Otherwise I'm starting from scratch again. Right. Right. Yeah. So was there kind of a gap in between, like, was there a time when you weren't making music or it was always pretty much 
going? Like you went from the jam band in Canada straight. Like, were you doing any experimenting with beat making while you were in Canada or it was pretty much as soon as you came to Japan in 2010? My, my first ever album, or I guess like experimental kind of, um, it was more like poppy electronic was in Canada. And that's Mm -hmm. like, I think, I think the year before I left and, um, that kind of is it kind of got me transitioned into kind of this electronic sound essentially mm-hmm. and my friends helped me out you know my my bandmates i'm still friends with them uh they helped me with recordings guitar you know drum percussion elements uh and then yeah i've always been doing something even when i moved here um i didn't fully get into i was still creating that sound. I was, I got deeper into creating that sound, but uh, I was still playing bass. And I found local Japanese artists, played with them for a while, did quite well, toured Europe with them, and uh, then did that for about five years. And then I'm like, you know what? Let's give this, you know, electronic music sound. Let's give it a shot. Can I do it myself? Right. And then. Yeah, that's it. Right, right, right. So I'm kind of curious about the early years in Japan then. Um, How was it getting involved with the music scene? You mentioned, you know, you played with a -hmm. band and you were touring and stuff. Um, Yeah, what was was that like for you? So I essentially went to, uh, I went on SoundCloud and looked at Japanese artists on there and I found this one drummer and his name's Tomi Wealth. And a really good friend of mine still and contacted him with my crappy Japanese, like real shit Japanese. He understood me and we, I said, I would love to play bass for him. And he has like this DJ shadow-esque kind of sound. So that kind of also was a a nice transition. He kind of um, introduced me to that scene a bit more, but he also introduced me to like post-rock and hardcore music. So he was that kind of DJ shadow post rock kind of sound. Um, Met him, did a practice. I didn't speak a lick of Japanese. He didn't speak a lick of English, Mm -hmm. but we communicated very well musically and uh, played with him for five years. Um, Was really cool. Got to tour around Japan. Uh, Got to play in Italy, Germany and, uh, and uh, Czech Republic. Uh, and play some festivals out there and kind of always kept those contacts, you know, like always kept that for, for whatever. And then five years later, you know, or five years, you know, into it kind of like decided to do my own thing, try some different bands. Uh, it was good, but you know, when you're playing with different musicians or bands, uh, everyone's got a different goal. It's hard to come together and think of one goal. So that's when uh, I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm just going to do it on my own, see mm-hmm. what happens. And over the past coming up to four years, um, it's been awesome. Yeah, I've toured quite a bit. Like I've toured all over Japan, um, Czech Republic, Poland, Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been amazing. And uh, last year I started like, you know, dipping into Southeast Asia, learning about Malaysia, 
I'm going to Taipei for the first time in April. Mm-hmm. So uh, very, very, yeah, very excited. Again, it's the same, same rule, just as long as you're progressing and having right. fun. That's all I care about. Right, right, for sure. So I'm curious, like the time frame of all this stuff. Um, you came here in like 2010. You were playing. What what, what was the band's name? Um, you said you met that drummer and. Yeah, it was uh, Tommy Wealth. So it was more like an artist. Like I was a supporting bass player for, for him. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. Oh, okay, was yeah, it just the t- two of you then? It was me, him, and uh, a guy doing uh, samples. Like yeah, oh, right a, on. A Kai MPC player. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, right yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, really, so, really nice. Yeah, really nice three piece. So that was let's say until like 2015. Yeah, I would say 2015, 2016. Yeah. Right. And then you mentioned you were kind of like dabbling around with a few other bands and then you just, were you kind of still like experimenting on your own, like on the side, like making beats or producing, or you're pretty much focused on uh, playing, uh, playing Um, live. Kind of, kind of both. Like, uh, yeah, I, I played with, from there on, I played with, uh, a post-rock group, a funk group, and this kind of Japanese folk music group. And that kept me quite busy. Like I was playing like six shows a month and, uh, all different scenes, which was really great. Mm -hmm. Uh, but around that time, I think 2016, I released, um, I released, uh, the, one of my albums called the taboo of all things. And yeah, I was still like creating tracks here and there on the side, mm-hmm. but like kind of in a slower, slower manner. Like it had been, I guess, six years since I released an album mm-hmm. from like the first one. So, um, for since 2011, I released a kind of a remix album, uh, that raised money for the, uh, Fukushima earthquake. Cause that, that was my first ever earthquake in my life. Sure. And it's like, go big. It's like, go bigger, go home. It's like, crap. I didn't know <laughs> how to react. So I released that a remix, like to raise money for that. <clears throat> and then five years later was kind of the new one, the new EP, which was kind of um, all instrumental and uh, really it was a huge shift in transition. Right. Yeah. I'm kind of curious, like, was there something just sort of within you that made you say, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I would don't want to say mess around, but I'm going to focus solely on me now. I'm not going to, you know, kind of help other people with their dreams. I'm going to focus on my dream and my, what I want to do musically and, you know, lead and, um, was there something sort of within you that made you say, okay, now's the time to sort of see what I can do on my own? Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, when I was playing with those three acts, I, I realized my, the way I, I think about anything and what, and what I do is like, I want to see how I can progress it and drive it. But it's silly for me to think that other people think the same way. And they might think of it mm. as just a hobby or this or that. So 
it's mostly I dropped everything because I'm like, okay, let's really try this solo. I don't have to really answer to anyone. I know I'm more goal oriented. And then whoever I do bring on, because I do play live with some people once in a while, I just have a bit more control because it's the Dembski project. It's my, you know, under my name, I guess. Right. So um, I think that was really it. And it was more like, can I do this kind of Mm -hmm. thing? Like, and whenever I can, I always want to see if I can do it. Yeah. I'm I'm more, I'm very interested in the process of Mm -hmm. like, yeah, like, okay, this seems impossible, but what are some ways I can get there? Right. Yeah. So I'm always searching for that, um, that way into something. And yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. Um, I, I do play bass still with one R and B singer just because I want to keep my bass chops, you know, up and everything. Mm-hmm. And eventually I want to play bass live with within my live sets. Sure. But, um, in due time, in due time. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. So then like, how was it? sort of you know you've played a bunch with other people played a lot Mm -hmm. of gigs and had some connections how was it sort of trying to get some gigs going on your own uh you know four or five years ago when you sort of made that transition was it you were able to use some of those connections and say you know i have this solo thing now um yeah pretty much like uh i knew a bunch of the promoters here like back in even when I was touring Canada, when I was touring the uh, the East Coast, when I was trying to figure out how can I play Halifax or Fredericton, right? I was, you know, their internet's like crap back then, right? And it was it was literally it felt like a puzzle, like oh, I found this venue. It's like it was like the greatest find ever, and that was I kind of already I had that in me already and now the internet's so easy i can find it much easier right so um i found i knew these promoters one of them was uh, more than music they're doing a lot of really good stuff right now and i asked them for my first show i'm like do you mind if i just open your show right like uh this is my first ever one first attempt and they're like yeah for sure and i literally just contacted every venue doesn't matter the uh, even the sound quality. I kind of wanted to play every room, mm-hmm. and then you know, you know, it's kind of like a, maybe a, like a comedian or something. You know, play all these different rooms, and then learn about your niche, pretty much, right? So go really big, and then now I'm at the point where it's like, okay, I know what I I know where I can shine, and what venue I can shine in. So. I was uh, at the beginning. Yeah, I was. I was just like, uh, pardon my language, like whoring myself out to venues and stuff like that, you know. But uh, it was, it was good. It was a great experience and and definitely a worthwhile one. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I guess this was probably when w- would you say like twenty eighteen sort of time frame? If we're, I think around so. Then? Yeah. 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 So, kind of seems like you know you're just you're just sort of getting going a little bit, building some momentum. And then, you know, this pandemic comes along too. Um, I'm kind of curious, like, how how did that affect you musically? And how did that affect you, you know, 
obviously the gigs would have dried up a little bit and uh, mm. playing live and stuff. But yeah. at the same time, you know, artists use that time as well productively um, in a certain sense. How, how did you kind of deal with that? I mean, it's still somewhat, you know, still going on, but how did you deal with those kind of couple of years? Um, it was, uh, it was good. It was like, I actually was supposed to play Toronto for the first time. And, uh, it was March, 2019. And I arrive in, arrive in Toronto and it was three days before they shut down everything. And, uh, it was like, I had pretty much, yeah, pretty much like two days to enjoy this, enjoy my city. I'm back yeah. home after a long time. I'm like, I want to eat a Jamaican patty. I want to eat a banh mi sandwich. Like, I, I want to hit all these things. Everything was, I had like two days for that. And yeah. uh, I originally had it booked for three weeks. It ended up being six days because all the flights were being dropped. And uh, I, I came back to Japan early. And right. uh, luckily, and then they shut the borders, essentially. And when I came back, um, I was pretty inspired. Like I was just like focusing. I, I was looking at what other people were doing, yeah, uh, especially in Europe. But like a lot of uh, people in Germany, Czech Republic, everyone's going online, doing these online events, streaming. Everyone's trying to learn about it, about OBS. It was very, very interesting. So I tried to do it. I failed. I just don't get the equipment. Uh, I did like a, I recorded on Zoom a couple sets for mm-hmm. like some kind of like a online festival kind of things. Don't like that. Still don't like that. It's just there's there's nothing. You know, you need an audience. I feel, but um, I just started writing. I felt like okay, like which area can I work on? <clears throat> I started writing, and I came up with a this one song called cold coffee. Right. And essentially the song is about essentially being so locked into something you love and just like making music that your coffee turns cold. That's it. It's not like an iced coffee where it's like (laughs) like that. It's like a crap cold coffee. And that, that, that cold coffee means success in some ways, right? Because you're just so, you know, uh, concentrated on what you love. So did that release that. And then, um, I, I tried to play events and just to see if I can do it in a safe manner around Mm -hmm. Japan, Mm -hmm. because it was still kind of open as you know, like Mm -hmm. there's no real lockdown here. It was a state of emergency and Japan was quite creative in the, for the most part, like if there was a festival, they moved it to the mountains where it was outdoors. They limited numbers. It was um, Japan was a really great role model in that sense. So I kept learning about that and seeing what I could do within it, playing these small gigs, but you know, not too many people, keeping it safe so people feel comfortable. And um, I think it made me stronger for touring. In some sense, because if I can play through a pandemic, I wasn't playing all the time. Yeah. But like if I could play through this, I can I can do anything. And, uh, you know, I did some charity events for venues I really love 
there's one called uh, Ochi Soup. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there was no gigs there. And I just did an online event to raise money for them because I don't want to see them shut down. I want to play there in the future. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, it was very inspiring. I, I looked at it in a very different manner. Right. So, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know people kind of took it, you know, in different ways. And it's, you know, a lot of has mm-hmm. to do with your outlook on life and your outlook in general. So, yeah, it's totally. cool. You could kind of take advantage of that a little bit. Um, I'm kind of curious, like, do you have some process, like when you're looking to create me- new music or like what kind of uh, what kind of inspires you when you're like, you know, sitting down? Oh, I got you've got a I know you've got a new album sort of upcoming. What yeah. kind of. Uh, what kind of drives you when you're, you know, looking to make new things or does it just hit you and then you think, okay, I gotta, I gotta go get this down or I gotta get to it. Um, mostly it's just like, I, I have these times where I'm like, okay, I want to, I have a few hours I sit down and, you know, I, I use Ableton for my recordings and Ableton's a pretty big program a lot of effects, a lot of uh, VSD plugins, all this kind of stuff. And essentially, it's kind of funny. It's like I pick an item, whether it's like a drum rack or like an effect, and I use it. It's like I I watch a tutorial on it, essentially. And then I'm like, wow, this sounds cool. And then I play around with, after the tutorial, I just play around with that effect I'm like, man, that's cool. And that's how it usually starts. It's usually like me, I'm a student still. Mm-hmm. So I'm literally just learning uh, a sound or something. And then uh, I'm like, okay, what would this sound like with a drum beat or something, you know, or this or that. And then it spawns into being a track. And then over time, as it develops and develops, I learn the character of the track. And, be, and then the, the meaning builds around it a lot more. So it really comes from just my, it's like education. It could be like Udemy class on this, you know, like plugin. Right. And right. then it's like, man, damn, that's cool. And then, oh, it kind of reminds me of this thing I've mm-hmm. been thinking about. And then, and then they develop, it's like a bait, it's, a baby, you know, when a baby's born, it's not, it's just a blob for the, at the beginning. And then it slowly builds this character into, you know, they become themselves. And that's how I think of my tracks in some mm. ways. Right on. Right. So, cool. Some are veterans, you know, <laughs> yep. in the game. Yep. Yeah. And they're teaching the youngins, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right on. Um, so it's like, do you, do you get like, moments where you're like more inspired or some moments where you kind of feel like a bit of a block or like you could always sort of like sit down and you can always kind of, you know, look something up or you, you always kind of feel like you have the creative juices going or is it like there's certain times or certain cycles you feel? Yeah. I I think it comes in cycle. Like it's not gonna, Mm -hmm. I I can't force something. If I'm Mm -hmm. just not feeling it, I'm not feeling it. But then when I'm in the zone, Again, like some tracks come like right away, arrangements, mm-hmm. everything. Some take time, like uh, 
on the this new album again which uh, like uh your brother is helping mix and master sure. but one of one of the tracks is um is 14 years old oh okay and, and i never figured it out until now mm-hmm. i just put it on the shelf and i'm like it actually makes real sense right now and i'm so happy to release it because it's like it really suits the ambiance and the character of what this new album is going to be. And, uh, but yeah, and it's because like I reached a point of inspiration and then it just dropped. And then I, and that point it's like, man, I can't finish it yet because I don't know what to do. And so it takes like uh, years to let it sit in some ways. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to come back to that. Right, right, right on. So, um, can can you talk about the new album at all? Like, do you have uh, do you have it pretty much set in terms of like tracks when you want to release it? Um, like a theme for it, uh, title has is it pretty yeah. much fi- figured out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally is. Um, I th- I I really it's very important that I have a story behind all mm-hmm. my albums and. This one's going to be called uh, "As Your Heartbeats," and the, the essentially the main re- concept behind it is last year when I was touring in Poland, uh, I was touring when Ukraine got hit for the first time, right? And that's when COVID died in Poland officially, because mm-hmm. there's more important things, and then it was my friends it was such a beautiful experience because all my friends were thinking right away okay what are we going to do we're going to drive to this border we're going to pick up refugees bring them in it was it was an awful moment but it was such a beautiful moment at the same time it's like they're helping their brother right away and um you know one of my friends rented a van brought animals over to an animal shelter and it was really amazing to see that. And that was the day before my last show. I was playing a city called Gdansk in the north. And I remember, I think it was four days later, I was flying back to Japan. And then I, I arrive in the airport and they don't give a they They care about Ukraine, right? But they don't give a shit. They care. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about COVID, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, the, it was... It's amazing how unaware we are. And for a good reason, like you don't have to be aware of, it's too hard to be aware of everywhere in the world. But um, the idea is as your heart beats is while your heart beats, other things are happening in the world. just being aware of those things, right? All of this, these things are happening as your heart beats, right? So it's uh, essentially the seven tracks that are involved all take place somewhere in this world or within your psyche, right? So the first track, which is the 14-year-old track, takes place in Las Vegas about a guy just driving, essentially down, uh, driving down a dark highway, like where there's nothing, you know, it's just the desert surrounding. And then slowly he creeps, he sees this light in the distance and he slowly drives into Las Vegas, and it's chaos, right? It's like he can't concentrate on his thoughts anymore because people are boozing and doing whatever they do. 
And then he just drives out of the city and he's back into blackness and darkness and just the stars and his thoughts again. And that's happening. And then I got my track uh, again, like a revolver, which is about essentially uh, two years ago I, during Halloween when that guy was uh, that Joker guy stabbed people on the train. Right. And how he uh, poured his heart out, how he was like, he was rejected by his job, his friend, he had no friends. And this song's about essentially about Japan, about it's okay to speak your mind and, and release it instead of building it up and exploding. Right. And then there's a track called Nobu, which is about essentially Nara and about Mm -hmm. the beautiful mountains where they have no care for any of this whatsoever because they're far away from, they're far away from, you know, Ukraine or Las Vegas or, or this Joker guy on the train in Tokyo. Mm. But this all happens as your heart beats. And the last track is called the clouds. No matter what in this world, this cloud passes over all of us essentially. Mm. And that's the way to wrap up the album. So I kind of wanted, that was the theme of this thing, you know, is a, step into different realms also in your psyche like one tracks about just like stepping into your creativity but like um that yeah that's really it i'm really excited Mm. for it Mm. and um i know you've got a lot of tour dates coming up do you have uh do you have a date figured out for the album or not quite yet just uh um not yet not yet yeah. I, I like to take my time and and write out a plan so definitely um, yeah yeah it's gonna take a while i'm gonna um pitch to some labels uh that i'm interested that are interested in it mm-hmm. and and some other ones see what i can do i'm gonna think about like what what would be a good merch sure kind of item and um i want to plot out like a, a future tour and uh, yeah, I want to I want to I think it through, you know, because yeah. again, I just don't want it to be a throwaway album. And it's yep. such a, a beautiful concept. And it also make the the con- everything of the concept around that as your heart beats mm. feel. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. So do you do you usually like I saw that you mentioned before in like another interview that you like to kind of sample playing a lot of these tracks out live before mm-hmm. you'll kind of set them on an album. So you've yeah. played all these tracks before, uh, like, will you play a lot of them on your upcoming shows? Do you kind of play them sequentially? How do you kind of uh, work all that out? Yeah. Yeah. They've all, they've all gone through live shows. Uh, again, it's like a, I always say like a comedy set, like, you know, if something bombs <laughs> <laughs> in that sense, that's why I do it. <clears throat> to hear what, what stands out and what works. Mm -hmm. Um, some I've played more than others. Uh, sometimes I, I want to save some for like a future date. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, some of them are like kind of veterans in the live game now. Again, it's like, uh, it's, I I always, yeah, I'm always switching it up. I want to see how it's paired against another track. So mm-hmm. I'm always switching on my set list. That's my jam band side. Yeah. You know, I want to, I like, Oh, can this be an open, how can I make this an opener or how can I close with this? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm always thinking about that. It's v- very, very important. 
Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, I'm also a bit curious, like, mm-hmm. um, in terms of, you know, the music thing, mm-hmm. how, how difficult, like, would you say it is to kind of do music, I guess, in Japan, um, mm-hmm. like, and like, you know, you were just kind of getting into it a, a little bit in terms of some of your tracks, like, how do you think Japan has sort of affected affected you musically like probably some of those tracks wouldn't exist if you didn't live in japan do you think if you're still living in toronto you might have a similar sound um like how do you think being in japan has affected you as a musician oh um well yeah every environment affects you right like i i'm sure whatever i'm creating in toronto or or what what i would have created in toronto would have been completely different you know so um again you know i've my friends say some of my friends say oh you got some asian element it sounds i'm like i don't know what that means i'm just like writing yeah Yeah, you know but yeah i guess so like it's um you know no matter what it's had a huge impact on me again like meeting tommy wealth and playing i played a lot in the post-rock and hardcore scene and I played a lot in the noise scene. I learned a lot about those sounds and um, really cool elements. Like I, it was something I, w- I wouldn't really listen to, I think back home a lot, mm-hmm. but coming over here, I really try to understand the beauty of how they would look at noise, especially noise, how someone would create just, they want us to create these atonal or abstract sounds. And why they why they saw beauty in it, that was really cool, really interesting, and I definitely have an element of that in one of my new track in the the clouds. I really wanted to make the the cloud that comes over your head while it's shimmering at the beginning. I want to make it this like harsh noise at the end, where it's like it feels like thunder, or it feels like. Again, yeah, just that the blackest cloud over you. So um, totally, totally shaped me for mm. sure. And uh, very thankful for it. But yeah, who knows what that Toronto alley, if I just stayed in back home, that'd be maybe I'll, I'd become more like Drizzy, you know, and, uh, <laughs> that'd be awful. That'd be terrible. So Japan saved me from uh, possibly making like Drake beats or something. <laughs> right on. Uh, I guess like on that as well, um, you know, I've talked to, I've talked to a bunch of different artists and musicians and Mm -hmm. in terms of like making music in Japan, I know, um, like for yourself as well, um, you know, you're, you're working full time, you're making music on the side. Mm -hmm. Um, how, how do you like find that balance works? Um, and then like, would you have like a goal or an aspiration to do music full time? Or do you kind of like having something more like solid or something that you're doing as a day job and then doing music on the side or is kind of the end goal to do music full time? What are your your thoughts on that kind of thing? There's, there's never been really a goal, but there was um, a really good interview 
uh, uh, I was listening, you know, Killer Mike from Run the Jewels. Right? Mm-hmm. He he was saying, he was talking about how they started out and how like when he was a starving musician, how it actually hindered his creativity in some ways because like he's more trying to figure out how he's going to eat in some ways. And then he started his own business in Atlanta, Georgia, like a, like a chain of uh, barbershops. And, uh, and he said he got financially set. And then his creativity said was like next level. He had time to put for that. I thought that was really cool. How he, how he phrased it. Mm. And, um, I never, I never really had a goal. It was again, like, it's always the same thing. I just want to progress at something mm-hmm. and just love what I do. Right. I, I do love my job right now. I, I do like curriculum development for like an IT company, right. Like helping mm-hmm. them with presentations and meetings. I love it. And I treat, I treat my, my, uh, curriculum or like when I teach, I treat that like a set list. <laughs> You know, it's the same thing. Like, it's like when I'm testing out tracks, I'm testing out new material or like even in a, in a class setting. But, um, I liked how Killer Mike phrased that, Mm. that, you know, that said, let's say Ninja Tune approaches me and they're like, we want to sign you. I'm going to take that offer just because that's such a ridiculous, silly dream. Mm -hmm. I, I would have to see. I, I would have to challenge myself in that sense because it's just so unheard of. Mm. But um, I really think I, I work really hard at that work life balance kind of thing. Mm. And uh, I consider my music just as important. And when my coworkers come to shows, they, they said the best compliment to me. They're like, you're what you do at our company is exactly what your stage is like. And it's like free, which is great because I essentially just, you know, like I throw glow sticks at my shows. You know, I serve people only pie. I'm like jamming out, you know, it's like jamming out tracks to where they're 10 minutes long. It was like a cool compliment in that sense, like where it's like unpredictable, experimental. Great. That's how (laughs) I should be. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Yeah. So you've obviously got, you know, a lot of experience playing live, making music, um, you know, making a big jump from one country to the next and finding success in doing so. If you, if you could give some advice for someone maybe looking to do something similar, you know, coming, coming overseas, coming to Japan and, you know, looking to get involved in the music scene or looking to start playing live, make music, would you, would you have some advice for some people? Yeah, I think it's quite basic. It's like more like just, um, you know, send out that email, send out an email. Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird thing. Like a lot of people just they're like, how do you do this tour? How do you do How do you do this? I'm like, well, I just you see, I just email this person <laughs> yeah. and then they might not respond to me. Yeah, And that's OK. But I tried. I th- I, so I guess just try. Yeah. And it's such a <laughs> like it's not like mind blowing advice like that. And uh if you're like involved in it and you want to get do more, like I always follow the you know, the motto of like always progress and always have fun. Those are the two rules. And uh I'm fortunate to have that 
you know, luxury to say something even like that, but it's like, that's it. It's like, try progress and have fun. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. I, I can, yeah, I can relate to that too. You know, I do, uh, I do some writing stuff and, um, you know, the podcast and it's just like, you know, you just reach out and you just mm-hmm. put yourself out there. And a lot of times you might not hear back from someone, but you just, if you want, if you want it, and if you want to be involved, you just keep putting yourself out there and totally. you make it happen. You don't just kind of wait for it to happen. Yeah. And, and that was, that was actually the problem with the old artists I played with, right? Like, uh, like the first one I played with is, they, I, they just wait. Mm. I don't, I, I never got that. Like, it's like, Oh, like I, and maybe they think like, Oh, I'm so good. They're going to find me. I'm like, you know, yeah. it's like, kind of doesn't work that way. You know, it's like not yeah. in, in this industry, this cutthroat industry, whether it's like podcasts or, you know, or music, co- you know, comedy, wh- whatever it is. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a good point. Yeah. And I think like one thing, like you've been, you've been doing this for, you know, 10, 20 years and it's just yeah. like the resilience, you know, like you just keep going. Um, you know, there's going to be times that are easy. Sometimes they're not so easy. Like, I'm curious, like, have, have there been times for you, like musically where you kind of thought, Oh, you know, what am I doing? Or like, this isn't going to work or should I keep going? Like, have you had some kind of like downtimes like that as well? Well, are you pretty, um, are you pretty positive? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's the, I think that's the problem. If you say, if you're like trying to seek some, like you're looking for, I don't know, a label or, you know, like, or you're trying to do this. I don't know. Like if, set maybe smaller expectations and uh again music for me is is like um i i just love it i don't know if i can stop it's really just maybe a therapeutic element for me but mm-hmm. part of that therapy as well is that problems i like the problem solving part of it oh how can i do this how can i do this it's like that is my problem solving fun you know, that, that's like what my hobby is like, mm. how can I do this? I, I like the strategy behind it. And mm-hmm. um, I'm always hungry for that. Right. So, yeah, but I think it's like maybe people set these goals that are just way too high in some ways and not looking mm. at those like those little amazing baby steps that can lead up to that. So, mm. um yeah, it's yeah, like I want to be signed by Sony or something, mm-hmm. or you know, mm-hmm. I want to play that stage, you know, mm-hmm. that massive. I'm like, yeah, that's great. You know, there's layers to it sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think you know, one thing is kind of just whatever you're doing, you know, art, music, or just life is just being in the moment, enjoying the process. Mm, what you what you're totally. doing right right now you know not always thinking to this big goal and then you know oh, okay if i achieve this goal you know then i've made it or you know then i'll be <laughs> yeah, ha- yeah. happy or 
you know, if you're not kind of living right now and enjoying right now, what, you know, what's, what's it all for, right? Yeah, I, th- I think it's like, maybe, again, I, I, I think goals are crazy important, but like, they can just be much smaller sometimes, right, in mm. order to lead up to that bigger one, right? So um, that's, a, I think that's the biggest problem. They're, they're just trying to jump ahead for the mm-hmm. most part. Yeah, right, right. Um, you know, obviously, in your musical career, mm-hmm. and your professional career, you've gained a lot of skills and, you know, learned a few things along the way. Um, are there some things that kind of stick out for you? Like some skills that you've sort of picked up that you think would have helped you like 10 years ago or like could help someone who's kind of at the beginning, um, of their artistic career? Um, that's, uh, I, I, you know what it's, uh, there's nothing I would change. It would just be more like, I think that first step of just trying every venue and mm-hmm. like just trying everything at first is the best way to learn about yourself in some ways. Mm. So literally just like book this, book this, book this, book this. And then you're going to learn about what you liked and didn't like. And then like, you're going to naturally narrow it down yourself and find what your niche is. So like, again, like, uh, you know, I say I'm like a ambient trip hop beat maker. Right. But it's like, that's just what people tell me. I don't like mm. label. I don't know how to label myself because it's right. a weird. It's a weird thing. Oh, I'm this. And if I'm not that, you know, it's weird. Yeah. So yeah. I just get other people. I just learn that over time. Oh, people always say this and this about me. I guess that's what I am. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like go big, broad, and then like narrow it down and create your niche that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you do you think like there's been some like productive sort of like sidesteps? Like I don't want to say mistakes, but ha- has there been like a few little things along the way where you're like, well, that didn't kind of work out as. I thought it would, but I definitely learned a lot from this. Are there a few kind of a uh, few of those that you've sort of learned from? In in what sense, like a music sense, or like a, like touring, or like- yeah, yeah, it could just be general, yeah, things that you've kind of stick out for you in terms of like, oh well, you know, that wasn't really what I thought it would be, but I definitely learned a lot from that. <laughs> I think I think the biggest thing, actually, here here's the biggest the biggest one is you have to have a strong beginning, a very, very strong beginning. And when I, when I say that is like when you uh, meet a venue or like you uh, yeah talk to someone, you have to make sure everything's super clear and confirmed, right. In writing mm-hmm. or even in writing or something, that's the biggest thing, you know, um, in Canada, I was actually, when I was, t- I was touring so much, I couldn't keep a job. So mm-hmm. I was actually, I created a company where I was teaching chess, mm-hmm. essentially. So I was a chess teacher for five years and it was awesome. And uh, it's like a chess game, you know, it's like the beginning of a chess game. Uh, you know, the first six to eight moves pretty much decide the whole game. And uh, I know you had like Sam, Sam King on 
mm-hmm. as the, I think it was the first podcast. You yeah, guys yeah, heard. yeah. And uh, I play them all the time. And we talk about that, right? It's like we we, nice. we have an idea of what's going on. We know each other very well now, but like the first six to eight moves are going to pretty much decide everything. And I think that's with everything mm. in life, you know? So, you know, it's not like if you go, you know, that person goes on a date, you know, you can't fuck up the first date. It's like, oh, I'll fix it in the fifth one, you know? No, it doesn't work that way. Mm. <laughs> or it's like, you know, you're doing a contract with a customer or something. Uh, yeah, he doesn't get it now, but I'll I'll tell him in a few months. Like, mm. it doesn't work that way. So, mm-hmm. strong beginnings and uh, right. clarifying things. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, in terms of just first impressions, first look. Yeah, can definitely um, affect, I guess, your future future outlook yeah people might have on you yeah musically or otherwise yeah that's a Mm -hmm. good one um cool man yeah um i guess in terms of like you know you mentioned some big things upcoming touring albums Mm -hmm. um you know what can what can kind of people expect from you know dembski in 2023 and what like do you have do you have like an outlook kind of beyond uh, this year like what are what are some things, some projects, um, some tours? What's sort of rolling around uh, in the next in terms of the next few years for you? So um, pretty much, I got this big tour lined up. I'm going to be heading back to uh, Kyushu for the first time in like a year and a half, which is great. Going to be heading to Hiroshima for the first time, so I'm going to do a lot more focus back here go back to areas like fukui kanazawa which are fantastic nice and uh heading back to malaysia which has a a surprisingly great music scene i had no idea i just didn't know anything uh and taipei so uh the touring yeah i'm just trying to always add one new element and when it comes to tokyo uh i'm kind of limiting my shows so every show is it's pretty much once every two three months now mm-hmm. but like every show i do i want to make sure there's something there's a spectacle that's a part of it you know like make it kind of a festival feeling so um you can expect a lot of crazy stuff i got um some really cool documentary kind of work uh stuff in the works nice. i can't talk about that yet but it's right very 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 exciting and um you know uh that's it yeah and just uh create and just have fun with it that's really it <laughs> nice nice are you gonna be uh i know you mentioned before sometimes you tour with a couple other musicians are you bringing some people on board or is it just gonna be you uh yeah just just me but like when i play tokyo um i have you know like a, a band of misfits i play with i got like a tabla player uh, his name's Gan. He's fantastic. Uh, he's going to be probably sitting in with me, play with some guitar players, mm-hmm. um, you know, some uh, some rappers as well. Nice. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I hope to collaborate a lot more and and continue with this remix kind of realm and and play those live as well. You know, not just release a remix, but. Mm. Um, add a new element to my performance through that right right definitely um 
in terms of like collaboration, um, do you have some artists in mind you'd like to work with, or do you have, you know, maybe, uh, in your local scene or like some dream, you know, just shoot some people, you know, some males out there and <laughs> you'd love to work with them. Do you have a, do you have a few names that you thought would, would be cool to work with? I think mostly, I think, uh, when I, when I want to collaborate, it's mostly, uh, it's mostly actually visual, visual mm. of VJs or like, uh, you know, like artists. I want to, create events as well that are not just about sound but about visuals also taste and smell it sounds kind of crazy but i want to really hit those senses so i'm looking at working with people where i can create all those different senses and those different elements to to heighten my music that way instead of just like you know like a guitar sound in some ways Mm. which i want to do i want to play with a lot of people but that's of most importance. Like I, I do have a VJ I play with. His name's the Nerd, and he's incredible. And I actually just met him at the gym. He goes to the same gym as me, mm-hmm. and uh, he he was just like me. Started from nothing, you know. I'm, I'm like quoting Drake or something. Started yeah. from the bottom. Now we're here, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> but no, no. He's like he was like just trying to test out shit on stage as well. And he had the same outlook as me. So uh, we get along quite well. And um, he's, we're going to be working on this documentary kind of thing where it's not just, um, it's not just about the Dembski music, but it's also about the, the visuals that come with it. And uh, really, really, really excited for this. Cause I think uh, everyone that's involved, we can make everyone shine together. So I'm, I'm really all about that community. Right, and like making sure everyone's like got their fair share and they're they're taken care of as well. Yeah, right on. Yeah, that does sound cool. You know, adding some more elements to the live mm-hmm. show. You know, if if you were able to kind of like you know tour with a VJ with a couple other artists, yeah. um, like are you are you pretty much like self booking these shows, or you work with like uh you work with booking managers like how how uh how are you kind of coordinating um these different asian countries and different places around japan just the connections you've made or yeah it depends on the it depends on the place so poland i have a booking agent out there that uh i met uh while helping out uh my friend's band they're called fried dough i used to play with them mm-hmm. uh, they're from toronto and that's actually how i got connected with adsr collective Oh, nice, because yeah. they were, yeah, they wrote an article about them and they're like, Hey, we have a buddy in Japan. And it was me and I got to know, you know, the crew, mm. but, um, yeah. So pretty much I got a booking agent out there. Um, the biggest, I'm pretty much booking myself, but what I do is I'm always looking for not a venue, but I'm looking for the community. It's the mm-hmm. same thing. Right. So I'm looking for, where are yeah? Where are the communities at? The ones that like everyone supports everyone within that city, and I do that. I work with them, and then whenever they want to come to Tokyo, I always support them and give them my community. And that's what I want to do. I want to, these little pockets of community create a bigger one, essentially. Um, 
in the future, yeah, the if I were to say one future goal I'm looking for within the Europe realm is to find maybe a couple more booking agents within that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I don't care that much about label support, but more about just touring in general, the booking sure. part. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I got to thank you for this, man. Uh, feel like, uh, we got, we got a lot of good stuff here. Got pretty deep on some of those. And, uh, I think people can kind of understand what you're about. Uh, I just got, uh, got two questions at the end that I ask every guest, if that's cool. Sure. Of course. Right on. So, you know, as this is called the inspirations pod, they relate to that. So the, the first one here is, uh, what are three things or three people who uh, have really inspired you in your work or in your life? Three things or three people who uh, inspire you? Uh, three things or three people that inspire me. Okay, well, um, I'll give an artist. Uh, Les Claypool from Primus mm-hmm. is the main reason uh, why I play music probably. And he's the way he thinks about music and how he steps outside of the box of sounds. um, He makes me want to explore different elements always. Right. So he has a lyric uh, called to defy the laws of tradition is a crusade only of the brave. And uh, I've always like loved that quote. And uh, yeah, he's, He's the purity and the essence of creativity in that sense to me, right? Um, that's a big inspiration. Um, what, what what's another inspiration? Um, when when a person in a crowd says it made me laugh or made me cry or made me uh, it made me think about this moment, that's definitely another inspiration. That's like why I do it in the first place. Like that's Mm -hmm. one of the greatest moments. That's like, you know, I'm a teacher always. That's a teaching moment for them. Mm. For me to create that is that's super, super inspiring. That's why I always continue to do that. Mm. And then, um, I guess the, in some ways, like my dad would be the third one with that quote. Yeah. Cause Mm. he's, he just put that in me. You know, always progress and always have fun. Mm. And that's a very nice way of looking at it. And it's a very simple, subtle thing. But those are probably the three things, you know. Nice. Yeah, cool, man. Yeah. And uh, so last one here. And it kind of relates to what you were just talking about. So then uh, what does it mean for you um, to be an inspiration to other people? You know, whether it's through... uh, your teaching through your music, you know, someone sees, you know, what you're doing in terms of, you know, like mm. booking and getting yourself, you know, live shows or just, you yeah. know, they hear, hear something and it affects them. What does it mean for you to be uh, inspirational to others? Oh, it's fantastic. But I, I don't know how to react to them. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, it's like, oh, thank you. And then I'll just run <laughs> off into a corner. I'm like, uh, that's great. You know, it's just I, I never know how to respond to them. But uh, if I can help anyone think differently about something, 
and uh, that's I'm honored, you know, because as long as they also know that I'm always, you know, learning, they're teaching me as well. So mm. like, I'm just as much a student of them, you know, than they are of me. So that's a very yeah. important one. Yeah, yeah, I kind of view it in a similar way. You know, it's kind of like a cyclical thing. Totally. Bas- basically, you know, it's like that's sort of the human condition, right? We're all kind of related to each other and feeding off of each other. 100%. Cool, man. So uh got to thank you one more time for this. And uh, if people are interested in what's going on with Dembski, where can, uh, where can we kind of keep up with uh, what you're doing? Yeah, uh, you can just type in my name. There's going to be pretty much three people you're going to see. Anyway, uh, Dembski, D-E-M-S-K-Y. You're going to either see me. You're going to either see a graffiti artist named Dembski, which is quite, and he's quite good. And, or you'll see my brother. My brother makes like a, like amazing clothing apparel. Oh, nice. So uh, you can't go wrong with the three, I think. <laughs> nice. Even if you don't, if, even if you skip me, you know, you're getting awesome graffiti and awesome, awesome clothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you, that's cool. I'm down with that. <laughs> you got you got to get to get the trifecta going one day. Get get yeah. everyone involved. The three. Oh, nice. I, I've thought about it. I've thought about it, but uh, he's you know, they're they're both doing fantastic. You know, so uh, I got to. They're they're good inspirations in themselves. So that was great to finally get to talk to Alan. I definitely want to check out one of his shows. He's got a bunch coming up. Go check out some of his music. If you're into that early down-tempo, chill-out kind of stuff like I was back in the day, some of the things on uh, the Ninja Tune label, I think you'll really appreciate what he's doing. Um, Okay, that's all for this week. Well, we got another great one coming up next time. As always, thanks for listening in. If you want to support us, go give us a like or a follow. Leave us a comment on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, everyone, stay inspired.